over the last few weeks trying to get ready for Easter. I have gone back through the portions of Scripture that deal with the garden and the crucifixion and the resurrection. I have I have done so for the purpose of a fresh understanding of what all the Lord did for me at Calvary. I fear that we have been so far removed from this book that the reality of what happened there has been lost in all of our modern living and technology. But folks, it's not just a story. It's not just a story. I would pray today that God would open your heart to something fresh. As a matter of fact, I'm going to challenge this church family during this coming week to go back and read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Beginning at the garden, read through the resurrection and see if there is not a fresh a fresh appreciation that would dawn on us of what all that happened and what all he did. Amen. Thank God for his mercy and love. Amen. I'm thankful for his mercy and love today. Let's stand together. So glad that you're in the house of the Lord today. We, we have so many people that are out sick, and we certainly want to pray for all of them. Uh, the list is just, it's so long, but I feel like it would be good for us one more time to pray that God would send a healing touch to our church family. Uh, Brother Shannon, his children, Sister Vicki, Brother Miller, Sister Miller, uh, Sister Yvette, Celicia, um, and I know that the list just keeps going on. It's good to see Brother and Sister Cheryl here this morning. They have been feeling the brunt of so many things, and we're glad that God's allowed some of you to be here that were not here last week. But let's pray. I know God's able to heal. Brother Terry, or Sister Terry was telling me that Brother Sam is very sick this morning in bed with fever. Um, let's, let's pray. We, we need a healing touch. Amen. I want you to pray with me right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would send a healing wind among us today. God, that you would send a mighty, mighty touch of your spirit across this congregation. Lord, that somehow our soul can be awakened to the fresh touch of your hand upon our lives, strengthening, drive out the sickness the flu, whatever it is, Lord, that is in our midst right now. And let there be a healing and a strengthening of your body in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Why don't you turn one more time and smile and welcome somebody into the house of the Lord. And
Tell them it's good to see them. It's great to have uh, Tony Smalling with us, Sister Belinda's sister. God bless her for being here. And if you're a, uh, uh, thankful to be alive, you ought to let the Lord know that. Amen. 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 For just a few moments this morning, turn with me to the book of John, chapter 19. John, the 19th chapter, and I will read beginning at verse number 19. John 19 and verse 19. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews where, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. And everybody said, Amen. Jesus, the King of the Jews. My subject this morning for just a few moments is Lord of all. And everybody say that with me. Lord of all. Amen. Say it one more time. Lord of all. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As I said a while ago, I have had a deeper reverence in my heart the last few weeks for this particular time of the year than I've had in a long time. And I've asked God to help me to even go deeper. Because... It is possible that if I can receive a fresh revelation of this particular event, it could drastically change many things in my life. I am convinced this morning if we could feel and sense the depth of what all happened at Calvary, it would change the way we live and it would certainly affect the spirit of our life. I believe that even the choruses that we were singing earlier this morning, I believe that if somehow before we get through today, God could give you a fresh revelation of that hour, It would enhance your worship. It would cause a fresh anointing to come over you when you sing that He is Lord of all. He is is the rose of Sharon. He is the bright and morning star. When we sing, Jesus, 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 what a wonder you are, it would truly take on to our hearts a new and fresh appreciation for just how wonderful He truly is and has been and always will be. Amen. The scene of the crucifixion, it defies description. 
when I come to this portion of Scripture, I, I feel so humbled and I feel so inadequate to even read and then try to reread to you and put the emphasis there that needs to be put there. It's, it's hard to do. But I want to bring you back this morning for just a few moments to that long ago, ago event that changed life forever. And I know that it's impossible for me to express to you all that I feel in my soul and my spirit. And I certainly don't want to emotionalize what happened, but I do want the reality of what happened to dawn on us. The gruesomeness of that place, I don't want to spend a lot of time because I certainly am not here to make you uncomfortable, but it was certainly a gruesome, gruesome hour. And then when you see in that, that hour the mixture of characters, the high priest, which represented everything that was spiritual and religious to Israel who stood in defiance against the very one God had sent to reveal to them what true religion was and there they were in opposition they were behind him being here they were the ones that had pushed for this hour we see the Roman soldiers and the brutality that they only knew <clears throat> to obey the command of authority, and they carried it out with such cruel efficiency. And then there were the egos of Pilate and Herod, those political uh, men who cared not about Jesus or about what he represented, but were only concerned about their own position and and how all of this was going to play out against uh, the background of Caesar's desire and how Rome would look at this. And it is quite, <clears throat> quite a, a display of characters. And then there are so many uh, contrasting elements that are there. There is this hatred, this, as the man expressed it, this deep sense of hatred and not really knowing why he is hated so much. Because he is the one that just a few days ago had healed their children and had opened their blinded eyes and had healed their crippled limbs and had brought their dead back to life. He is the one that had, with the prayer of faith and with the breaking of the bread, had fed the multitude on the side of the mountain and had brought to them a new hope for life. Now there is this hatred that is pouring out and it's contagious. It's, it's like a plague that spreads through the crowd and there is no doubt people that were there out of curiosity. But before the day was over, their voice was chiming in, crucify him, crucify him. Let his blood be upon us and our children. Contrast that with the great love of God that was on display that day. 
and the self-control of one who could have called 10,000 angels and shown them what real power was. I know this is boring to some of you. Some of you are going to go to sleep while I'm talking, but some of you need to wake up and hear what I'm saying right now. It's not just a time of year that we celebrate. It's not just some social thing that we go through. It's not about a bunny or eggs or all the other stuff that we've tried to make it about. It's about a God who cared enough for you and me to robe himself in flesh and come and live among us and go to that place called Calvary that you and I could enjoy what we enjoy this morning. Freedom. Hallelujah. Mercy. Grace. Love. Ah, yes, oh, love of God. How rich and pure. I wish it were possible for us to realize the dignity of that one that day who stood before them. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, God in flesh. He came as a man among men, but he was, he was our Savior. And the shame, the shame, the shame of that hour. There was, there was no more degrading way to die than crucifixion. For the Romans, it was the lowest thing that they could do to humanity. It was, the, it was a way to bring men down even further than their sins had taken them. And before all, before the crowd, before everybody, they encouraged the city to come out and see the display. And yet he stood there, the Bible said, even before Pilate, when Pilate in his arrogance spoke to him as if he had authority and Jesus would stand there without saying a word, and they threw the accusations against him. There was such a dignity about him. There was such a carrying of himself, even in the midst of the shame, when they spit on him, when they reached out and they pulled and plucked his beard and when they slapped him on the side of the head or slapped him on the back in mockery and said, prophesy to us, tell us who it is that slapped you. Tell us who it is that's doing all this stuff to you. And yet he never opened his mouth. He only in a moment would speak words that forever were etched in my mind. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What an hour. I think somehow if we could understand that, we would have a fresh thankfulness for him, for all that he did for that, for that hour, for that moment. The thankfulness of a heart knowing that he condescended to die the death of a cross. He came down. I was already down. But he came down. Amen. And he came down because I was down. He came because you were down. And the only way he can get you up is to come down. So not being afraid of what it looked like, 
He laid aside that royalty and he came and dwelt among us. And here he is before the crowd. My goodness, it makes me thankful that I know him this morning. Hallelujah. It makes me thankful that I know him. I am thankful that he did not quit in his weakest hour. (laughs) You don't know how many times I have gone to this story. Oh, when I felt like giving up, when I, I felt like I had gone as far as I could go and there wasn't any more strength in me and I didn't have any more will to go on. I have often come back to this story and I've read it again to remind myself that he did. And if he could, you can too. How many times have I been able to pull myself up and say, God, by your help and grace, I'm going to get through this. I'm not going to quit either. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to live through all of this. I, I wish it were possible somehow that we could stand at the foot of the cross for just a few moments with Mary and John and the others. To hear, to hear the words that were being spoken. To hear the noise and the clamor. I listened to that young man a few moments ago and my heart, it, I, I felt such a deep stirring of my soul as I realized all over again what all they said to him that day. The cursing the mockery, the ridicule, to see the tortured body beyond recognition, the weight of the world on his shoulders, and yet he still trudges on. To look up and read the inscription, King of the Jews, King of the Jews, Nobody knows why Herod or or why Pilate did that. I've read several commentaries and all of them have their own opinion. We don't know if it was mockery. We don't know if it was some backhanded slap at what the Jewish religious authorities were trying to pull over and he saw beyond all that. He knew. He had already said, I find no fault in him. He had already asked them, what is he worthy to die of? And so he takes his royal Roman pen and he writes words that cannot be erased. They cannot be torn down. They cannot be taken away because they are the Roman word and the Roman authority and nobody, not even the high priest, could take it down. Think about that. Now surely Peter knew that he was king of the Jews because it was Peter who said when the Lord said, Whom do men say that I am? It was Peter that said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter might have had a lot of faults, but he knew who he was and he knew the revelation of who Jesus was and he was going to proclaim that. Surely Peter could have written those words and put them up there. 
But do you think Peter would have dared to write such words and take him to that cross in that hour when he had already lied and he had already denied him? John, maybe John could have wrote it. John, the beloved disciple, the one who came and stood afar off, stood with Mary, his mother. John could have probably written it. But John's word was not powerful enough to stand. And so God ordains a Roman governor to write an inscription that can never be taken away. The priest, however much they hate it, cannot tear it down. The Jews, however much they despise, they cannot dislodge it from that cross. Here is Jesus, King of the Jews. And to put a seal on it that would make it more than just a local Jewish issue, he had it written in three languages. Greek, Latin, and he brought it before them and he gave them the inscription that declared him to be who he had said he was, King of the Jews, and nobody could take it down. Hebrew, Greek, Latin. Who could have put such a notice but them? Written by the authority of the Roman government. Done by the official pen and secured so that no envious person could dare pluck it down. And no hand of the scoffer for that time nor till this can tear down that inscription of who he is. He is King of Kings. And Lord of Lords. Oh, let's praise Him right now. Hallelujah. It was a privileged writing because it was written by the pen of a Roman official. And there it must stay. Even when the high priest came and said, No, don't write that. Don't write King of the Jews. We don't want Him as our king, Pilate would turn to them and say, What I have written, I have written. Ha. Woo. Oh, listen, I'm telling you, God has ways of getting his message through that no government and no political system can stop. When God wants to get a message to the world, he can do it in such a way that everybody will know and nobody can deny it. Nobody can tear it down and take it away. Under the authority of the Roman law, it would stand, declaring its message for all to see, King of the Jews. doesn't matter if he wrote it in ridicule. It doesn't matter the irony of the moment or the confession, perhaps, of a weak conscience trying to make right a moment in his own life. It was written to all classes of men who beheld the crucified one that they might read and know who he was, King of the Jews. 
And the message that it bears is clear. Because we see a great declaration of His kingship over the whole world in this statement. It is in fact a phrasing of the gospel for all men. Written in Greek. Greek was the language of culture. It was the language of thinking. It was the language of philosophy and thought. Their literature contained the history of the mental development of the world. It stood for the world's highest achievement in the order of things. And he was declared king over that world. It was written in Latin, the language of domination, conquest, power, authority, rule. Its literature is the history of human achievement, military prowess, government strength and power, and a matchless energy that kept going on and on and on. Rome was the place of world strength. It was known as the mistress of the world. And over that the Lord declared, I am Lord of all. Written in Hebrew, the language of the heart, the language of the emotions, the language of religion. It's the literature and in that literature of the Hebrew are the appearances of God to men. Of the intimations of God's will and God's purpose for my life and His care and His interventions. And over that world God declared Him to be the Lord of all. You see the Greek was for the mind of man and the Latin was written for the will of man. And the Hebrew was written for the heart of man. And the Lord said, I am Lord over all of those. Amen. Ah, he is described in the greatness of his salvation and the scope of his reign. It was never imagined by Pilate's inscription what all he was declaring. But he was declaring the sovereignty of every realm that he would rule in. He would rule as the master of the mind. The master of the mind. He is the solution to the troubled minds and thoughts of humanity. He is the answer to the problems that mystify our thinking. That cause us to lay awake at night and wonder, how is this all going to work out? The thoughts that plague you when you make an attempt to do something... And they undermine you and say you'll never do it. He declared himself and he was declared on that day to be the Lord over that realm of life. He is Lord over the mind. He is Lord over what goes on up here in this place. He is Lord over that part of me that helps form my actions and my decisions and sends me down the pathway of life. And he is declared to be the Lord of the mind. He is the solution of all the problems and mysteries which challenge the mind in every age. The problem of sin and the problem of conscience and the problem of death and the problem of eternity. They are all solved in him. Everything that troubles the human mind. He is the Lord over that realm. Hallelujah. 
I've come to tell somebody this morning that's had a war going on in your mind. He is Lord over that realm. He is King over that realm. He knows how to help you deal with those thoughts that are troubling you this very moment. Hallelujah. The mind can rest here at the cross because He is the answer. He is the Lord over my mind. Are there any people here this morning that are troubled in your mind? Oh, anybody troubled in your thoughts? Anybody been warring with some thoughts? Every time you get up to do something right, there's this suggestion or there's this lie that is suddenly put out before you or there is this thought that you just don't have what it takes. You'll never make it. You'll never overcome. He hangs there on that day and he stands before us today as the uplifted Christ, the Lord over the mind, the Lord over everything that goes on in this realm. So hear me this morning. When your mind is troubled, let me tell you the best place to take it. Take it to Calvary. Come and stand at the foot of that cross and look at that inscription and realize that the reason that he's hanging there is for everything that's going on in your mind right now. All of the trouble and all of the confusion and all of the mixed up things that go on up there. He is hanging there that he can help you find peace of mind hallelujah and no clear thinking and not have to live on drugs to keep your life calm because your mind troubles you too much oh hallelujah he is the master of the mind he is he is not only the master of the mind but he is the lord of the will at the cross, the human will finds its master. The will that is so rebellious. The will that is so stubborn. The will that is so hard to deal with. The will that is so strong that even when my mind is telling me one thing, my will is pulling me to do something different. Even when my mind is saying, don't do that. It's going to hurt you. Don't do that. It's not going to turn out the way you think. The will of man is so stubborn and it is so rebellious and it is so hard to deal with that many times my will overcomes my mind and my thoughts and I do things out of my own selfishness that I know better. And when I get through, I ask myself, why in the world did I do that? And at Calvary, he hung there for that part of my life that I struggle with this morning. That human will that rises up like a demon in my life sometimes and taunts me and harasses me and pulls me back down into that cesspool of failure. The will, the human will, it's broken. It can be overcome. He hung there. The problem of my sin and my eternity, he solved it all there at Calvary. And he became the Lord of the human will. Don't you tell me. I had a man stand one night at an altar and I couldn't understand why he couldn't break through. I was praying with him. He had been 
at the altar every night in that revival. I couldn't understand anything. Was, I just knew something was blocking him. I, there's something going on there that I don't understand. Finally, one night after he had prayed for a while, I just stopped him in his prayer. And I said, sir, I don't know you and I don't come here to embarrass you, but I want to tell you the reason that you cannot receive the Holy Ghost is because there's something in your life that you are unwilling to let go of. And until you let go of that, you're never going to get any farther. And when I said that, it just erupted out of him. And I saw his face change. And he said, Brother Hughes, I can't help myself. I looked at him. I said, you demonic spirit, I'm here to tell you, you can help yourself. He said, Brother Hughes, do you call it a demon? It's a human demon. Don't tell me you can't help yourself. He proved at Calvary that you can help yourself. He proved at Calvary that you don't have to give in to that. The human will could have brought him down off of that cross. The human will could have said, I'm not going through this. They're not worth that. But he hung there so that he could conquer that human will and show you and me that I can conquer my will too, that I can tell myself no, that I can live a better person. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He is the Lord of the human will. He is the Lord of that part of me that rebels and bristles and rises up. He shows me at Calvary what separates me from good and keeps me back from His will. Here at the cross... We find one who conquered that will here at Calvary. The human will that had been in conflict with God is brought into harmony and concert with God's will. I'm thankful that he is Lord of the will. Hallelujah. He is Lord not only of the will, but he is the sovereign of the heart. Amen. Written in Hebrew. The heart, the place where the issues of life are found, the secret place of our desires. Here at the cross, the heart finds its fulfillment. All its quests and desires are satisfied here. Here he can show me how to channel those desires in the right direction. Amen. He is Lord of the mind he is Lord of the will he is Lord of the heart and the Lord sent me here this morning to just tell somebody if you're struggling with heart issues bring it to Calvary if you have a broken heart and you don't know how to heal it you don't know how to help it Bring it to Calvary. He can help you heal that heart. He's the healer of the broken heart. Oh. If you're having problems with your will, and every time you turn around, that old stubborn nature in you rises up, and you're embarrassed, and you get mad at yourself, 
bring that will to the cross. And look, Lord, Lord of the will. If your mind is what's causing you trouble, you're just too smart for your own good. That's some folks that's got more answers than we have questions for. I don't know some things, folks. I don't know how a cow eats green grass and turns out white milk. Do you know? How can a chicken scratch around and eat seed and put out an egg that you'll eat? How can an unseen world with such power be within our grasp and we can access it by just flipping a switch back there, putting a key in the ignition, turning it on? I don't understand all that. But I'm telling you, I live in a generation and in a world right now that's got the answer for everything. I read some guy's comment, some commentary yesterday. I got so sick I thought I was going to puke. Please pardon my crudeness, but that's exactly how I felt. I thought, you arrogant. And when I looked at his picture, you're just a young punk. I thought, you hadn't even lived long enough to have an opinion. <laughs> but even in a world where the mind is all that matters, if you can ever get that human mind to the, to the cross, you realize that the solution for all that trouble up there finds peace at that place. Oh, my. Lord of all. Lord of all. Mind, will, heart. So that tells me that there's no excuse for you not serving God because He showed us that it could be done. I want to share with you the words of a deceased minister, but he said it so, so succinctly that I have to repeat it just like he wrote it. The Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's king of the Jews. That's the racial king. He's king of Israel. That's the national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heavens. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's my king. I wonder, do you know him? David said the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. And no barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. 
He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? Uh, do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of the world. He's the Son of God. He's the center Savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's august and he's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the miracle of the ages. He is. He is Lord of Lord. <laughs> he is the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one who qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. Do you know him? He supplies strength to the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and he sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the leper. He forgives the sinner. He discharges the debtor. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He regards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Does anybody in this building this morning know who I'm talking about? Oh, yes. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of all. My King is the King of knowledge. He is the wellspring of wisdom, the doorway of deliverance, the pathway of peace, the roadway of righteousness, the highway of holiness, the gateway of glory. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Uh, I wish I could describe him for you. I said, I wish I could describe him for you. He's the indescribable. He's the incomprehensible. He is the invincible. He is the irresistible. He is Lord of all. I said, he is Lord of all. You can't get him out of your mind or off your hands. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him and the witnesses couldn't agree. Herod couldn't kill him and death couldn't handle him and the grave could not hold him. Do you know him? I said, do you know him? Is he the Lord of all? I said, is he Lord over all in your life? <laughs> oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bring your troubled mind. Bring your heart that's broken. Bring your stubborn will to the cross. And let him help you deal with it. My king, my king, my king, my king. 
my King. He is Lord of Lords. And He is Lord over all. Do you know Him? Stand to your feet and praise Him with me right now. Oh, hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you, Lord, for showing me how it can be done. Showing me that it can be done. 